Welcome to the Rise of a Chosen Generation podcast, where it's all about Jesus. I pray that this message inspires you to press in to know the Lord. Make sure to subscribe and stay tuned for more. Hi, um, my name is Caleb Juma, and I just wanted to share a few thoughts pertaining to a scripture that it's just been going on through my mind. And just to share, of course, a specific revelation about it. Um, the Bible says in Matthew 22, verse 14, that many are called, but few are chosen. Many people usually look at this scripture and think that God shows favoritism and all that, but that's inconsistent with biblical truth. Um, the Bible does tell us that God is no respecter of man, you know. Um, so that means this scripture has to mean something else. And how I would actually interpret it is in these words, that many are called, but few respond. And because there's a few that respond, that means there's a few that are chosen. God actually loves everybody the same. The love that he has for me is the very same love that he has for even the unbeliever. Um, even the people that society would call the worst of sinners. You know, even God has this very same love for them that he has for me. And the only difference is how we respond to God's love. So the differentiate the, the, the what distinguishes people is not the love that God has for us, not the grace that God has poured out on us, but it is our response to what He has already given us that distinguishes us from each other. It's what we do with what we have been given, you know, that separates each and every one of us. In one of Jesus' sermons, um, the sermon popularly known as the Sermon on the Mount, he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What that actually means is, Blessed are those that know that they need God, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Um, everybody needs God. He is our creator and the Bible says he placed eternity in our hearts and all of us have an insatiable desire for God. But it's not all of us who know that we need God. And even amongst those who know that they need God, it's not everybody who wants God. Um, I know it might sound like a fancy play of words, but um, it is given that everybody needs God, but it's not everyone that wants God. And God has chosen the few that want him to actually make a difference for the sake of the ones that need him. So in other words, the very few that respond with a yes to God are the very few that God actually uses to reach out to, the, to, to everybody else. Because everyone has a need for Jesus Christ in their hearts. The Bible in the Old Testament actually terms Jesus as the desire of all nations. Every single person in this world has a need for a savior. And because 
He loves us. He wants us to also choose to love Him. He has given each and every one of us free will so that we can use that free will to love Him. Because apart from will, there is no love. Because if if I didn't have free will, if I didn't have the will to choose whether or not I want to love Him, it would be out of obligation that I do whatever it is that I do. And that is not the nature of God. You know, He desires that we all come into communion by choice. He desires that we all come into relationship by choice. You know, and He really delights when he sees his people actually choosing to make that effort to get to know him, actually choosing to love him with all their heart, with all their mind, with all their soul, you know. Some people actually read the scripture and get offended, you know, just thinking to themselves that it doesn't matter what I do if God hasn't chosen me then I will remain unchosen, in quotes. So they get offended, and instead of actually drawing closer to God, they draw further and further away from Him. But that is actually not how it's supposed to be. When we view Scripture, we should also understand that whatever is written is consistent with God's nature. And God is love, that means he has no capacity to hate or discriminate. Just yesterday as I was seated in my room, I felt led by the Holy Spirit to actually read through Matthew. And as I started to go through the genealogy of Jesus, when I got to the point where Ruth is mentioned something just snapped in my spirit like these people had no idea whatsoever that god was actually writing out a beautiful story of the messiah as they did whatsoever it is that they were doing when you read through the genealogy you'll find that there is five women that are mentioned there That is inconsistent with the Jewish culture in that time. You'd never find any mention of a lady, first of all, in genealogies. Second of all, there is two of those ladies who were actually Gentiles in the genealogy of Christ. And funny enough, in one of the Old Testament, in the law, basically, it states that Israel should not actually marry Gentiles. But you find in the genealogy of Christ two of them. And you also find a harlot. I really don't understand how God works. But anyways, even if I did understand him, then that would mean he's not entirely gone. So I'm really glad that we get to live, be- you know, in this conflict of two, le- in this conflict of two realities. The stuff that we understand and the stuff that we don't. It's because of the stuff that we don't understand that we need to live by faith and to trust God. Anyways, uh, that being said, 
There's also another point to note. God changes Jacob's name to Israel, but in the genealogy it actually is written his name is written as Jacob, not Israel. You go to King David also. Um the Bible also talks about how Solomon was born of Uriah's wife. In other words, it's pointing back to David's shortfall. So God doesn't choose perfect people. And besides, God never said he was going to come back for perfect people. Jesus said this maybe twice, three, quite a number of times that when I come back shall I find great faith. That is what God is looking for, people that will actually believe him and choose him and walk by faith. He's not looking for perfect people. He's looking for people that will look to the perfect one. That gaze of the soul that will say even though I may be inadequate, you O oh Lord are my sufficiency. It doesn't matter what it is that you have assigned me to do. As long as you are there to do it through me, it doesn't matter what I have in my hands. But it, what matters is who I have in my heart. And that's who I choose to look to in this moment. And it's decisions of this nature that will actually go, cause the Lord to move on our behalf and to actually work through us. You know, It doesn't matter what it is that I can do. Of course, he has given me these abilities to actually steward them well. But in the end, it's not about what I can do, but what he can do through me. Take, for instance, the slingshot that David used to kill Goliath. Take, for instance, like in the, in the, in the, in the book of Exodus in chapter 4, there's a transition. At first, God asks Moses what he has in his hand. And the Bible actually says it was Moses' rod. But after God did a few miraculous signs with that rod, the Bible then terms that rod God's rod. It's very interesting, you know. So that means what he has given us, he actually desires that we give it back to him so that he can use it to expand his kingdom. I am saying all this just to say this. God has already given us all things that we need in this life. The Bible tells us in 2 Peter 1 verse 3 that according to his divine power, he has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness according to our knowledge of Christ. It also says in Ephesians 1, 3 and 4 that he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. So it's no longer a matter of what God can give us because he's already given us of his spirit. So it doesn't matter what he can give us anymore because he's already given us all things that we need. What matters now is how we choose to respond. And that will be the 
distinguishing factor. Our response to 